everyone. My name's Hannah. And I'm Abby. And we are the, the Homegirl Hustlers. We are here to be your guides on how to adjust your mindset, lifestyle, and habits to become the best version of yourself and pursue your passion without limits. Welcome back, Homegirl Hustlers. We are so happy to have you guys back with us this Wednesday. This episode is highly requested and it's going to be all about interviewing for the job of your dreams. Yes, we brought a very special guest for this episode and she is a master guide to this process. She's amazing. So today we have special guest Donna McClure. Donna McClure works in the Career Center at Texas A&M University at Mays Business School. She has helped numerous graduate, professional, and MBA students land jobs they love with companies they love. During her career, she has advised on numerous M&A transactions, completed company valuations, and management consultation projects, and served as an expert witness with legal testimony. She's done so many things, as you can tell from that description. Just prior to joining the Career Center team, Donna had spent the last 10 years in London where she led major fundraising initiatives for the American School of London. Ladies and homegirl hustlers, welcome Donna McClure. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Hannah and and Abby. It's so great, especially for me to be back with some former students and be able to connect and see their progress and their careers launch. So that's really exciting. I love what I do. So I'm really happy to be here to talk about it. Thank you. We are, again, so excited to have you. And I wanted to touch on Abby and I's first question, which is putting you in a scenario of I'm about to graduate college. And yes, I have my major. I've done my classes and I somewhat know what I want to do, but I also have no idea what I want to (laughs) do. And how do I go about applying for a job when I'm in this situation? So I think first steps are really trying to narrow down and understand what exactly are you interested in? What are you passionate about? Because that could be a driver to where you want to start looking and in the companies that you want to start considering. And there's lots of ways that you can both assess your skills and your interests. There's tons of assessments out there. We use a lot of them here at the business school for our students. But understanding what you have to offer, what are your skills, what are you passionate about, and then trying to figure out, does that mean it's an industry that you're interested in, or is it specific companies that you're interested in? Could be that you love Nike shoes, and Nike is one that you want to target, okay? So understanding what it is could be a specific role. If you are interested in marketing, then you can market, you know, look at marketing roles across a lot of different industries. But what is it that is really driving you, whether it's an industry, a particular set of companies, or a particular role that you're interested in. And that would be a good place to start to do some exploring, to do use resources like LinkedIn, like Indeed, to do some searching, see what's out there, but also some Google searches. If you're interested in a specific geographic area, say you want to be in the Dallas area. So let's see what companies are there that would be well-known companies or companies that would fit some of these areas of interest and start building a target company list from that. 
I love that. So recapping what you said, you pick basically your niche of where you want to start. So marketing, for example, or engineering, whatever specific engineering you have, for example. And then from there, region-wise, what companies you might be interested in from the region and then make your list from there. I think that's a great and wonderful first step. And she mentioned some things I was going to ask about. LinkedIn, Indeed, how legitimate is that? I know that's a hot topic because some people say, oh, you know, you can read a lot on Indeed or LinkedIn, but is that up to date? Is that accurate? Is it something I should actually take into consideration? What's your opinion on those things? So LinkedIn, just from the platform's perspective, it is an excellent resource for finding people and finding companies. And so you can do some searching that way. One way we ask our students to use it is to find alumni to be reaching out with and networking with. And so that is a fantastic resource to start to, if you aren't really sure what you want to do, let's start reaching out to some alumni in particular or people in at companies in industries that you're interested at seeking and have some conversations to start learning, to gain some insight, to really build your knowledge base around knowing whether or not this is a particular area you want to pursue. From the job posting side, LinkedIn, Indeed.com, I would say they pretty much are gathering the same postings. I mean, there may be some different, but uh, you want to get to a point where, you know, obviously when you're starting the process, you're going to maybe start looking at postings that are potentially a month old, but you want to work it down to where you're really focusing on things that have been posted in the last week. The problem with some of these big job boards is things stay up forever or things, you know, that you might be interested in, have already been filled. They just haven't taken the posting down. So it's important to stay current. (laughs) It is the worst. It's important to stay current with what is being posted so that you're not spinning your wheels and wasting your time looking at things that maybe already have been filled. So, But they're great resources for both people and for job postings. Yes. Yes. So you have it from the source herself. LinkedIn and Indeed are great resources to use. Wonderful. I think that's a great explanation of when it comes to starting out where we need to be to narrow down our process. So thank you. I know we have some more topics and questions to go through. I cannot wait. Abby, would you mind going into our next question? Yes. Okay. So scenario, I found the job of my dreams and I landed an interview. So as a college student or even post-grad, I'm freaking out and I don't know where to begin. Can you walk us through some initial steps on how to prep for an interview? Absolutely. And you said prep and preparation is absolutely the key to being successful in your job search, in the interview process. And so it starts with having a few things really well laid out, well thought out and prepared. And so one of those things is your pitch, elevator pitch. And in when you walk into an interview and someone asks you to tell me about yourself, you want to make sure that you are giving them the best information, conveying the best parts, of skills, experiences, characteristics, traits about you that are relevant to the role you're seeking with that company. So having your elevator pitch ready to go is super important. So that is what I would call step one, only because that's likely the first thing you're going to say in an interview. 
The next is being able to convey to the interviewer why you're sitting there. Why are you interested in their company or the industry? Why do you feel like you would be successful in the role? Why are you interested in that role? And finally, what is it about you? Why should they hire you? What are you bringing to the table, the value that you're adding to the company? And being able to answer all of those questions takes research. So before an interview, you've really got to do research on the company and on the role and then matching that job description with your skills and experiences to make sure you're talking about the most important points that you want to make so that they see and feel that you're an excellent candidate for the role. So the research piece comes from a couple of different places. First, it comes from actually getting on your laptop, getting on the internet, doing the work, doing the work, going to the company's website and digging in. And I don't mean just looking at the front page of their landing page on their website. It means looking at their mission, their values, their objectives from an operation or business standpoint. What is their strategy? How have they been doing? Things that, you know, are they in, have they done a merger and acquisition? Have they launched a new business line? Have Do they target specific customers or clients? And so really getting a good understanding of who the company is, what they do, how they do it, and why they do it is important. And that will help you build those talking points for the why the company, why the industry. The second place to get this great information is what I actually consider the number one most critical factor to being successful in a job search, and that's networking. And so finding <laughs> finding people that you can speak to, and I don't mean going to the CEO, but finding those people that have been in roles that you're interested in for, say, three to seven years and sourcing, you know, you can go through LinkedIn if you have the ability to find or have resources where you can find email addresses. That's our number one choice because... Some people are great about responding and connecting on LinkedIn. Others are not. But reaching out to these people within the companies to have conversations, to gain insight and information about the company, but also to create really an advocate within the company that once they get to know you in these conversations, and hopefully it's more than one, that they feel a certain desire to help you through the process. And so, but there is also another resource to get some really great inside information, inside being, you know, the company lingo or special projects that they have going on, or really understanding the role that they do, what they work on, how they go about that, or company culture. That's really important too in choosing where you're going to launch your career. So gathering all that information and being able to create some good talking points for why you're interested in the company or and or the industry, why you're interested in the role, and specifically, then what do you bring to the table? Why you? So that's really the next piece of information that you want to be conveying in the interview after you've told them a little bit about yourself. So you want to really get them interested and understand how motivated you are to be sitting across the table or across the Zoom screen from them interviewing and wanting this position. Then, you know, from there, it's about, you know, being able to answer the questions that they're going to come with. And most of the time, those are going to be what we call behavioral questions. So those revolve around skill sets and abilities that you want to be able to 
highlight by telling a story, okay, of an experience. And, and your experiences can t- come from a lot of different places. They can be academic. They can be from the classroom, from project work, from special things that you're doing academically. They can also come from, obviously, internships and, and work experience and doesn't necessarily need to be tied to the role you're seeking, but just highlighting skills that show you have those skills and they can be transferable to the role you're seeking. You can pull fantastic stories from organizations that you've been in, particularly if you've had leadership roles. And whether it's the top dog or it's just you've held a position that you've done a special part of of work for the organization for. So those are the most common areas that you're going to be looking to talk about in your interview and the stories that you create. And you're trying to really focus on those hard and soft skills. So communication and leadership and, and things along those lines besides the technical or analytical or, you know, specific hard skills that are critical to the role. But what you want to be able to make sure you're focusing on is looking at that job description and picking out those qualities and characteristics that are required to be successful in the job and finding ways to talk about those through your experiences. And so that's, you know, when you get in the interview situation, you want to be prepared and know ahead of time how to talk about leadership, how to talk about teamwork, how to talk about conflict that you've experienced and how did you work through it, resolve it, learn from it, do things differently. You know, a time you had a challenge, time management skills. There's lots of different critical skills that these employers are looking to see that you possess in order to know that you would be a great fit for the job and that you would be successful. So you really want to be prepared from that perspective with stories, not necessarily focusing on a specific question that you're answering, but more about skill sets, categories that they would be asking you about so that you aren't tripped up by a single question, but that you're prepared to talk about leadership. And they they can ask about leadership a lot of different ways. But, you know, a time you did more than was required, a time when you were on a team and there wasn't anyone leading and you stepped up. There's lots of ways to ask about leadership, but just understanding that I have a story to talk about leadership and you just adapt that in the interview. And so probably the most important part of answering these behavioral questions is the format that you're going to answer them in. And most of your questions, as Hannah knows, are going to be told in what we call the STAR format. And so STAR stands for Situation, Task, Action, and Results. And that is how your story should be laid out. Why? Because it helps, A, the interviewer follow your story, It helps you be to be able to make sure that you're not weaving around and and losing your place, but you know exactly what you want to talk about. You want to tell them the situation and you want to be brief in these first two points. Your situation, what was the situation? What were you tasked to do or what was the task that was ahead of you? And those two, again, need to be very concise. You don't need to go on and on because what they're really interested in is the action piece, right? That's where you want to talk to your strengths, to your skill sets. What did you do? How did you do it? 
What were you thinking? What did you have to do in order to get from A to Z? And so they are evaluating how you think and how you work in what you talk about in your stories. And then, of course, wrapping it up, I'd like to always say you're kind of tying a bow on the end of your story with the result or an impact of your work. So what was the result? What was your work used for in the next step? Or, you know, were you successful in the presentation and convinced a client to come on board? What was that impact of of what you did? And I'd like to give, and this is just a general format, but I'd like to say if I were to give you 10 bullet points to tell your story, you would use one bullet point for the situation, one for the task. You would use seven bullet points to outline all of the action you took in doing whatever you're talking about, and then one bullet point for the result. And so that's a good, I mean, it can be more or less, but that just gives you an idea of what is the most important part of your story, and it's the action. It's what you did, not your team did. It's what you did. Wow. Abby, I'm going to give you a chance to give feedback because then I definitely want to give mine as well. No, you're good. I was going to say what you just touched on at your very last point, people, at least from my experience, when I was with you in the master's program, had a hard time telling people about what they did because it felt prideful or it felt boastful. So how can you give advice to those people? Right. And I would venture to guess that about 98% of us had parents that said, don't brag on yourself, right? And that's the thought that students have in their head when I ask them to start telling me about themselves, right? When I ask them to tell me what you did and, and talk about this. But you need to remember that these employers really don't know anything about you, okay? And unless you tell them about the skills you have, the skills that you can use to be successful in that role, unless you talk to them about what you've done, how you've done it, how successful you've been, and and not in a bragging way, but these are just facts, right? This is my story. This is what happened. This was the result. Unless you tell them these things and convey the value that you can bring to their company, to their team, whatever role you're coming into, unless you can convey that value to them, they have no idea. And so they can't read your mind. And there's only so much that you can gain from looking at a resume. And so the interview allows you to add life and flavor and passion and everything to what is sitting on your resume. So you have to talk about it. And again, it's not about being prideful or boastful. You're just telling them, this was the situation. This is what I had to do. This is how I went about doing it. And this was the result. So take a step out there, be brave and just do it. So well said. And I like how you highlighted that you're essentially telling a story. Like the way you lay it out, you're telling a story and it has to connect. But you do have to add those elements of talking about yourself or talking about what the question's asking. But when you tell it in a story form, it tells the story of you and who you are and explains more to you than what's on the surface and what you could answer in one quick sentence. Absolutely. And one thing to remember, too, is you're not the only one interviewing for this particular job. So you have Ooh, got competition. To, <laughs> there's always competition. And so you want to make sure that 
you are giving them everything they need to choose you, right? And yes, you need to be authentic. No, please don't say things that aren't true. No, please don't embellish on things, but be authentic. Tell them what happened because in how you went about resolving problems or how you created this or how you stepped up and took took a leadership position and, and what that meant. But you have to find ways to differentiate yourself from all the other candidates as well. And it's not that you're trying to throw someone else under the bus because a lot of times you're competing with some of your own classmates, right? It's not about that. It's just what do I bring to the table that is going to make you choose me? And I need to make sure you know that so that I can walk out of that interview knowing I put my best foot forward. I gave everything I needed to give to the employer to make a decision. And I feel good about that. Whether or not you get an offer or you move into the second round of interviews or whatever, but you need to know that you have done your research, you've prepared in every possible way, and you've gone in and you've conveyed all of that to the employer. I love that. And giving some personal experience from Abby and I, Abby, I wanted to remind you of this. Abby and I, when we were interviewing, we own Booster Brand. And when we were interviewing for our candidates for our internship to take them part-time, well, there was one specific interview. We ended up hiring her for an intern And she gave an incredible interview because of the way she answered the questions to where Abby, like after the interview, was talking to me and said, wow, I love the way that she answered her questions because she walked it through and it was like a process. Abby, can you touch on what you noticed through that interview? I talking about how she laid everything out. Like she was very data oriented and she also told she liked branding. She liked telling stories. She liked designing things. And so when she spoke, it came out as such. It was like she collected a bunch of information, then laid it out beautifully right in front of you. And so it wasn't like she was just answering it directly. She would tell the origin of why she's going to give you the answer. She would tell you the answer and then she would tell you how she grew or how she developed as a person throughout that experience. And I think that, you know, having very good structure to your answers, which, you know, the STAR method works for so many interview questions, not everyone, but for by far the large majority. So having structure to your answer and being as detailed as you can without diving too much into the weeds, but really giving a lot of detail. Again, they're looking at you know, how you think and how you work to be able to evaluate whether you would be a great fit and do a good job. But it's also important, not only on the structure piece, is to not lose the interviewer. If you start telling a story and you don't have any rhyme or reason to the story, there is just kind of you're wandering around this story, you're going to lose the interviewer and they're not going to pick up on the important things you need to say or have to say. So it's critical that you have good structure, good details, and that you tell your story in a way that the interviewer can follow you and make sure they understand what you're trying to tell them. Amen to that. We have one more scenario we want to run by you. Abby, you want to run her by the last scenario? All right. So what should I be looking for when I'm in an interview? Even though a company could be interested in us, we want to know how can we get a feel for the company as we're in that room with them? How do we know that the culture is there for us? And then how do we find out if they're a good fit for us? 
absolutely. Because, I mean, part of the interview process not only is about you interviewing for the job, but the company is really, you're interviewing the company to make sure that this is where you want to be. And so there's a couple of things. Again, I mentioned this networking being so important and critical to not only your success, but an amazing way to gather inside information, to gather information about the culture, about their strategy, about how their work environment, all of those things. So having conversations, we call them informational interviews, because we, the students, are reaching out to people in the company to have these informational interviews, usually a phone call, sometimes a coffee chat. Now that we're out of COVID or mostly out of COVID, we can start doing that again. But to have these conversations where you can ask those questions and you can gain some insight into what they love about their job. What's one of their most favorite projects they've worked on? How do they work in teams or, you know, all of those questions that you want to know and understand as you are starting to evaluate the company from your perspective. In the interview, you also should come prepared with, I would say, five or six questions for sure, depending on the amount of time you're given. Sometimes you don't have a lot of time to ask your questions, but you should always come prepared with five or six questions that are specific to the company, you know, possibly to their business, their operations, industry, trends, things like that. You also want to have a few questions specific to the role. You know, if it happens to be a rotational program that you're applying to, really having an understanding and being able to ask a question about projects that you would be working on in these ro- each of these rotations and, and understanding how that process works. So having some questions specific to the role. If it's a team, what would be my role on the team and how do we all function together? So those types of questions. And then also have some questions for the interviewer set out. And those can be one I mentioned already was, you know, what's your favorite part about your job? You know, what's the most interesting project you've worked on? What what is something that (laughs) you know now that you wish you would have known when you started? So having those questions ready and prepared to be able to ask at the end, because if they do, if you do have a little extra time, they'll say, do you have any questions for us? And you, uh, you better be ready. Because if you sit there and say, no, not really, (laughs) that A, doesn't leave a very good impression and you're not getting anything out of it as far as you evaluating this company from a perspective of knowing whether it is a good fit, whether the culture is right, whether your values align with theirs, whether, you know, all of those things. So I think it's really important to do it on the front end before you get to these interviews so that you can know, A, it gives you a lot of great ammo in your interview, knowing these things before, but also during the interview, having some really good questions laid out and ready to go for them. My question off of that is, and Abby and I have talked about this in a couple of our previous episodes, but you're in an interview and it's a dream job. It's a dream company. You've done your research. You're so excited. You get there and you're just like not impressed. The interviewer's energy is like kind of sad and maybe negative. And then they're talking maybe about their values or maybe about their culture or maybe even about the job description. And there's something that doesn't match with you. In that moment, do you fake it till you make it just because you want the offer? Or do you just say, you you kind of get through and then you're like, mm, that's not for me. I mean, what do you do? 
Right. So I think a couple of points there, and and this is what I like to tell my students, whoever you're sitting across from, that's your top company at the moment. Okay. So you should always be prepared and ready to talk and be motivated and show interest as if they were your top company, even if they're number 15. Okay. So that's important because it can generate some good chemistry with you and the interviewer, and you can do really well. There's lots of things that can come out of that. But if you are finding that this really isn't the right fit for me, the interview is not the time to cut it off, right? And so don't get up and walk out. Just if nothing else, it's great practice, okay? So helping you be prepared for what else you have down the line. But also know and understand that that interviewer is one data point. If you've already talked to some other people and gotten some really good vibes and indications that this might be a good fit, remember, you're wanting to collect as many data points as you can because one could be an outlier, okay? They could be having a really bad day and it just shows. But don't assume that you need to cut things off or close the door before you know it's really the thing to do and and close the door. And building your network is so important, not only for this whole job search process, but for your career. You just never know when, if you walked out of that interview or if you you didn't respond, thank you for your time, really appreciated the opportunity to interview. And then you can say, you know, I've I've reflected on my career goals and, and this really isn't the right fit, but I appreciate hoping we stay in touch, whatever. That can pay dividends in three years, five years, 10 years, whatever. And so it's really important to be gracious, respectful, and grateful in your interviews, no matter what, whether they're good or bad. I want to also ask you a question. What about, and this is something that I want your opinion on too, authenticity when it comes to your personal culture and your values. So if they value, maybe they have a fast track and it's a fast paced environment and you know how you work and you know your career goals and maybe it's not matching up. Do I try to configure my answers and maybe change up some of the things I'm saying to match that? Or do I just be, like you said, respectful, kind and honest, but just be honest and authentic through my answers still? Right. And authenticity is the way to go. I mean, you you do not want to present yourself as something you're not because sooner or Just later, to they're going to figure it out. Right. And, you know, if you did get the job and you knew it wasn't a good fit, two things are going to happen. You're either going to leave or you're going to get fired. I mean, it's, you know, it, if the fit's not there, it's not going to work out. Right. And so being authentic and finding that fine line of diplomacy. So in your example of, you know, it's a super fast paced environment and that's just really not your thing. One way to answer that question or or to be talking about that is to say, you know, I've never really worked in that type of an environment and I'm not sure that that is exactly how I work best. I mean, so being able to talk about it without being offensive but also not, you know, not shutting the door on yourself up front. So does that, does that help answer? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because I think Abby and I have discussed this, Abby, I'm looking at you right now. You know, you can't see me, but I'm looking at you because we were literally just talking about how not to pretend to match the values or the pace or environment in an interview because you're just shooting yourself in the foot and you're shooting them in a foot. No one wants to waste their time 
even if you think this is a great opportunity and you find out through the interview, oh, this is not necessarily bad or good, but it doesn't match with you. Right. We talk about the fit all the time. And I mean, this is something, it's not new, but it's becoming such an important part of the process is to understand the right fit, the right culture, the right work environment, the right people, because you're going to have the skills there to be able to do the job. But if all of the other pieces don't align, then you're going to be unhappy. You won't perform well. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you just need to know know yourself, talked about assessments earlier, you know, really know yourself, where what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what work environments suit you best, how do you work best, all of those things. And, you know, if your value system is really important to you, you need to make sure that the companies you're looking at share those values. Okay. And, you know, looking at mission. I mean, if you're really passionate about nonprofit work, for example, then then that's who you need to be focusing on, you know, having meaningful work, being able to do good things. And so you need to really make sure that you're assessing everything in addition to just your skills, right? I can do accounting or I can do engineering or I can do this or that. If you take a job for skills only, it's not going to turn out well. Oof. I feel like that was such a good like point to be like, yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth right there. I think that was our last question too. Abby, did you have any other points that you wanted to go over? No, I think there's a good thorough analysis of how we should go about interviews. I think that those are things that every, not even just college students, but just people in general need to know and remember When you're in an interview room, I like how you did talk about telling your story and everything, but also just collecting data points. People forget all the time to listen and to remember you're also interviewing the people that are across the table from you at that point. And when we're here sitting trying to prove ourselves, prove ourselves, prove ourselves, because that's what society teaches us to do, we forget, one, to listen and respond, and two, that it's okay to brag about yourself in that setting because we're so, it's like instilled in us to constantly be pushing, I need this, I need this, I need this, rather than they deserve me or I belong here. So I like how you laid it out, definitely. Great. Good, good. Well, and something you mentioned there, I mean, these are skills that are lifelong career management skills. It's not, I mean, you're going to be in a situation, yes, slightly different, but you've been in your job for three years and maybe you're interviewing or being considered for another role, or you are choosing to leave the company. I mean, you're going to need these skills over and over, whether it's internally or externally within your your job. So they're skills that you should always have in your back pocket, always rely on, and in ones that will serve you well throughout your career, whether it's year one or year 30. That's a great reminder because we forget sometimes, even when working in a job, that we might get promoted to a new role that may be completely different and we may have to go through another round. Or you may be someone who's looking for a complete career change. How many people have quit their career and just begun a different career in nursing or something else? And they've had to do a whole a whole nother you know, absolutely. And, you know, just something popped in my mind too, particularly from a woman's standpoint, you know, if you're in a job and you're up for performance review and potentially a salary increase, 
you better be able to tell them why you deserve that, right? And so being able to tell that story, being able to convey your value and make an impact and not just accept whatever they're going to put on the table for you. So I think particularly for women, we really have to be assertive, not aggressive, assertive in making sure people understand who we are, what we bring, what our value is, Mm -hmm. and what we can do for companies and others. But yeah. I think that is a perfect place to end with talking about how women fit towards the end, but then everything Donna's given us, all the bits and pieces of knowledge that she walked us through with the steps and the process and all the research that we need to be doing, but then also how to present that, how to present ourselves. The entire process was just so beautifully said. So like we say, homegirl hustlers, we hope you're taking notes throughout this episode because Donna has been so, so helpful, but she's also been doing this for people for years. And so she's very knowledgeable about this process. And we just thank you so much, Donna, for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure and so great to see you again, Hannah, and to meet you, Abby, over Zoom. <laughs> so Nice meeting you too. Yeah, but no, this is great. And this is something, I mean, what I do, I do only because I find great meaning and purpose in my work. This is not my original career. So being a career coach is something that I just really enjoy and find so much reward in helping here, in particular, young Aggies find success in their careers. So it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me, thinking of me. First one popped into our heads. (laughs) Well, thank you, Homegirl (laughs) Hustlers, for listening. And make sure, again, to subscribe to the podcast and download it if you have not. Follow us on Instagram. Join our private Facebook group so that you guys can be in the know when it comes to new episodes, new releases, but also asking questions and finding mentors as well. So thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next Wednesday.